This is Andres from Double Tap, and you're listening to In Orbit on Mash Those Buttons. Guardian. Guardian. Guardians, and welcome to episode 19 of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. I'm your host and leader of the Technodrome Collective, Jorge, aka GoToNRG. And today I have with me Alan Escalante, leader of the Masters of Keyblade or something along those lines. Anyway, say <laughs> hi, Alan. Hello. So, Thank you for having me. So this is actually version two of episode 19 because episode one had a very interesting thing. So uh, we had to re-record the entire episode, and unfortunately, the other two, uh, the other two guests, and uh, another one, um, they weren't able to be here. So we're re-recording last-minute effort. Hopefully, this this works out. But I'm glad to have you on, Alan. Uh, but let's just jump right into it. There's not that many news um, stories this week, but there are a couple things that are interesting. The first one is uh, Bungie admits that there's a few shaders and emblems from Destiny the Taken King that are not obtainable in-game due to bug. Um, the There's a whole list of them. The first one is the Flow of Knowledge and Spectrum Theory, theory Emblems. Then we have for the shaders, Anhata, Antique Land, Beowulf, which might sound familiar to some of the uh, year one players, Chalcedony, uh, Chanson the Jest, Cicero, Gilgamesh, two others that were uh, popular in year one, Lion Dancer, Lost City, Valsgard, Yesternight, and Walkabout. And then there's also the ship Fatal Vision, which is unable to be obtained at this time due to a bug in the game. Now... Normally this would be a non-story because then they would just go ahead and issue the patch so that you can go ahead and get it. But unfortunately it brings up a topic that is kind of concerning where it seems that there's a lot of issues with loot in year two of Destiny. There's just stuff that is not dropping for whatever reason. And it's kind of upsetting that it, it, here we have another story that, bam. Chocolate ghost shell. Yeah, the chocolate ghost shell of uh, the... Uh, the the other ghost shelf um crimson ghost shelf yeah then we had the 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 stuff with the uh the ship from the the what is it the black spindle mission mm-hmm. these stuff just th- these things just weren't dropping at all because of a bug in the game then they have to issue a fix and you're just like at what point are they just going to look back at all of these things and just issue a complete fix um what what are your opinions on this, Alan? Okay, so if they can't get simple stuff like loot to be fixed, how can we expect to get them to fix bigger issues? I mean, I get that these aren't that important, but come on, the people that are still playing are going for that loot, not for anything else. Right, and 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 I'm and what I'm concerned about isn't so much that that everybody must absolutely have them, but there must be at least a chance to get them. Mm-hmm. Whether you do the uh, strikes hundreds of times just to get that one shader, or three times and you're just fortunate by the blessings of RNGs to go ahead and get it, there has to be a chance to get there, and you have to be able to see people with this stuff. The fact that I, I I don't see people with these emblems and shaders that I'm actually trying to get myself because I have very little else to do in the game makes mm-hmm. me upset because I, I'm I'm just I keep scratching my head at these things where where there's supposed to be stuff to do and there isn't. I try to make up stuff to do and I can't. Um, and, and it brings up the larger topic of ov- overall loot where it's just it's not dropping. 
Um, and I'm not saying that it must drop at 320. But when you go through a what is now a, basically a one and a half hour raid for most people in King's Fall, and you get nothing but moldering shards and Oryx, the the 20 uh, what is it 10, 20 shard drop gets you another mm-hmm. set of two moldering shards. I've seen people yeah. where they only get shards. That's not a yes. It is supposed to be fun with your team, but at a certain point, there has to be a carrot on the end of the stick that you can actually grab, a mm-hmm. piece of armor, a piece of weapon, and unfortunately, it's just not happening. And it it it, it brings up the the one thing that they kept saying at the beginning of the Taken King: "Welcome to the Dreadnought, Oryx's inscrutable loot-filled fortress." It's not. It's not. It, it just, really isn't. Uh, there's where's the loot? Where's the loot that, that that's supposed to be in this fortress? Just, I mean, you go around and all you see is like taken some hive and like maybe a couple cabal in one area, and even then, when you kill them, you don't really get any specific loot right. or or anything. Like it's all blues or, or the occasional green if you're unlucky. Right. Uh, I mean. One of the things that I was excited when I first saw those chests that were all all over all around the the dreadnought, uh, I thought that we were going to be be able to do things with those chests. That they were going to unlock exotics or like open up emblems, <laughs> shaders, just stuff that was specific to that, and you had to earn those keys to get these chests. When in reality, it's just you activate a worm singer rune, kill a couple hive or enemies that are, that are around, charge it up get the key, unlock it. And while mm-hmm. some of the, the, the chests are kind of cool the way you unlock them, um, the one chest where you're in the poison room and you have to try to get to the chest and open it up in a certain amount of time before you die, that's a cool, that's a cool little thing. In the end... Always fun. Yeah, in the end, there's, there's just not enough to do with, with, with regards to these chests, and they don't really reward anything after that one time. And mm-hmm. I'm just... I, 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 I kind of like, you know, the... Going back to, to the to the feeling of like Zelda when you find that chest or when you get to the area like when you and it might just be a, a, a what is it the the piece of heart but you're trying to collect all these pieces of heart to become stronger. I don't feel like I get stronger when I open up these chests in in the Dreadnought. And yes, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's it's all revolving the the issue of reward to the to the con, to the consumer feeling that their time was was val- valuable. Mm-hmm. Or valued, I should say. And at this time, there's just, just not much rewards I mean, in terms of RNG or in the Dreadnought or any, anywhere else that, that makes you feel that you're, you're, you're investing your time. Go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt. No worries. All right. So as with all the other patrols, like they're not supposed to give you uh, like everything you need. Uh, eventually, you're going to... They're just not going to be dropping the gear that you want and all that. Uh, you're going to have to go for the end game content, raids, trials, uh, Iron Banner, all that stuff to get like the armor pieces that you want, the guns that you want. Right. Uh, so after a while, the patrols, especially the Dreadnought, it's just kind of bland, not really useful. I haven't gone onto the Dreadnought to patrol in like two months. And that was because the last time I did it was because of Warm Sport. Right. I needed Warm Sport. So there really, there's really no point to going back except when you're, except for like when you're doing the raid. And even then, once you get to 320, like you don't really, you don't really need to go back to the raid for anything. Right. Um, kind of jumping on that point, what would have been interesting would have been if while you're doing the raid, um, you know those hidden chests you have a chance of getting one of the keys for the chest in the Dreadnought. And that lets you go back to patrol. The keys might open up a chest. The keys might open up a door. And then all of a sudden you have a, a, a new boss or a challenge that, that you you might need multiple people. You know, it might be, I don't know, a big giant knight like like the one from Prison of Elders. Who, wow, you know, that's, actually, like, that's a really cool idea. Who lights the floor on fire or like opens up stuff and he's like he's been hidden away there by Oryx, you know, for an invasion or a possible invasion. And basically he's like one of those secret bosses like in Final Fantasy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, something like that would have been cool. And, and then from that boss, you get a guaranteed loot drop that mm-hmm. is at least 310 or above. And because you went through the raid to get the key, that's a way you can justify getting, you know, higher level loot drops out outside of the raid in um, patrol. Well, that's a, a little much to ask for for right now. I mean, the spring update's coming out uh, in the next couple months. Right. So we might be, and they did say specifically PVE content coming with it. Right. So who knows? Maybe we get we might get additions to uh, patrols. Maybe what you're saying is uh, is true. The or what you they're gonna add what you're saying. Um, that did you see the videos of the people finding the secret like, giant corridor in the raid? The one that has the cannons, like yeah, like in the the mm-hmm. the asylum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um. Who knows? Maybe you open up a random door, like you said, and you go into that and fight a boss at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get three uh, three thirty loot or something. Something something along the lines that makes patrol a little bit more fun. Right. Add a, add a couple of new enemies. Update uh, uh oh, the name escapes me. Um, Court of Oryx. Yeah, all that. Just something else to keep the the players, the hardcore players, entertained. Right. No, and and to bring it back to the original um post about the, the, that that random loot, like, mm. it's just unfortunate that this stuff is hidden by layers upon layers upon layers of, of glitches and bugs and it just it, I, i'm not uh and i'm hoping I'm, I'm not sounding all negative nancy and stuff but at a certain point i just expect them to fix this and not the same issue appear over and over and over let's go and jump into the next topic which is um starting march 3rd or march 2nd i um, I, I apologize uh bungie's twitch channel is about to become home this is their words. Their Twitch channel is about to become home to a new weekly ritual where they will introduce you to the people who make your games. Uh, the first one is going to be um, a tour of the Dreadnought. And basically what this is supposed to be is it's kind of like the extras on a Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> well, that, that, that's pretty much that's how, a, how they... How yeah, they, that's a really good connection. When, uh, mm-hmm. when Deej went on wasn't Planet Destiny, it was Guardian Radio. Uh, and as Guardian Radio just recently celebrated their 100th, 150th episode, which is crazy, um, they, uh, uh, Deej himself said that it's like the, the bonus on a DVD where um, they're going to go ahead and explain you know, the art and design of the, the Dreadnought here. Um, and I, I'm actually going to be watching it, be, not so much, well, maybe I am a little bit of a Destiny nerd, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but I'm kind of interested in how they do certain things for, um, or decided to do certain things for the Dreadnought. Um, because a, as I, I've mentioned multiple times, the one area where you spawn into, the first time you go into the Dreadnought, it's just a giant corridor. Um and when you go back to that area on patrol, there's nothing there. The only time you go back to that area is in the one mission when you plant the beacons and you're fighting the Taken there and that one large Taken knight. But other than that, uh, you never go back there. There's no enemies there. It's empty. There's, I think, one or two uh, calcified fragments. But other than that, there's really no reason to go back there. Um, and I feel that that's a missed opportunity because that area is gigantic and could hi- uh, could house a whole bunch of new enemies or some sort of activity or just something there. Um, and I'm, Basketball court. Oh, no, God. <laughs> and, and it'd be cool to see them do something there. Um, and I'd also like to see them go back to the old raids and do the same thing where they go into and explain why they designed Vault of Glass um, mm-hmm. as such. But the one that I'm really interested in, and I know this sounds weird. Final chest. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, the one for Crota's End um, because of how small it is. And I want them to kind of explain, you know, their, their design for Crota's End, why they designed it as such, and, and how. Because when you go into it, 
it's just ba it's basically two areas. You have what is now known as um, oh god, they they gave it a new name and I completely fixed forgot. It used to be called just the the abyss. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what people informally called it, and now it has a specific name, but that's beside the point. And then you have the Oversoul Throne Room, which is just the bridge, the stairwell, and then Crota's main area. Mm -hmm. So it's it's basically two disjointed areas um, that are connected um, in a very weird way, and then all of a sudden you're fighting Crota. Um, Rip Crota. Right. <laughs> so I, I'd kind of like like to hear their 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 explanation on that because i feel that that raid it, w it was given a bad shake and 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 because i thought it was going to be a lot larger because when you're going through the maze you know there's there's so many areas where they could have done stuff where it's like mm -hmm. here's a secret entrance to go into to get some loot or whatever and they kind of didn't really do that you have the two chests you have the drops and that's it so i, I kind of would be interested in, in hearing about that um and they're also going to be doing um, a an episode where they talk about the music in Destiny, where they have the audio team talk about that stuff. They're gonna be do they're gonna be doing one on uh, clan leadership. Uh, they're talking about clan resolute. In addition to the clan resolute uh, video that they are streaming event that they're gonna have, they're also gonna have the updates to the content roadmap. Um, so. Just looking at this quick, uh, the, if you notice, there's four different things that are listed as coming up soon with regards to their Twitch channel. It makes me believe that sometime in early April to mid-April is when they're going to announce what's going to happen exactly with the spring update, which leads me to believe that an early May release is what's on store with regards to um, the update. The reason I say that is the last Taken King stream was, what, two weeks before it was released? Something along those lines? Mm -hmm. And they usually, that's pretty much what they did also with House of Wolves. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm judging, I, I'm basing, my theory is based on the fact that they've always done about a two-week difference between the time that they do the last Twitch and the release. So you're looking at probably a late April, early May release with regards to the spring update. Might make a couple people upset because they're already thinking, oh, it's definitely going to come out in, 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 March. in April or March. And I just don't see that happening just because it puts them in competition with the division and it pu puts them in competition with another spring release and I can't remember what the other spring release is um, so it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen um, with regards to that um, whether there's a new raid, new strikes or what exactly the PVE update is um, what are you hoping to see uh, coming up soon with regards to these streams oh man so much uh, honestly I, I'd rather there be a PvP content, but they already announced that it's going to be PvE. Uh, anything, honestly, anything to keep the uh, the player base, eh, the player base interested a little bit longer while the new updates come. Any, just honestly, old raids updated, new loot, new things to grind for, new strikes, uh, old strikes. Honestly, anything, just new. Well. Don't forget that there will be an update to PvP um, in the spring update. They already mentioned that they already have plans for a new update with regards to balancing and tweaks. Mm -hmm. um, my guess is that they might tone down the range on certain auto rifles. And, uh, and they might buff up mid to higher impact auto rifles a tad more to help them compete with the high rate of fire ones, um, which we'll, we'll discuss later on. Um, mm -hmm. The last topic I want to get into before we get into questions from the reef is Iron Banner. Now, this Iron Banner actually hasn't been that bad. And yes, there is lag. It's the laggy banner. Everybody knows that that's going to happen. 
But here's the thing. More than in any other Iron Banner, I've seen loot drop at an astronomical rate. Compared, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's almost SRL level of, of drops. I've seen helmets drop. I've seen gauntlets drop. I've gotten so many sniper rifles, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> any god rolls? I'm sorry? Any god rolls? I've gotten, I've gotten one with short gaze and snapshot. The other perks were... The, the other perks aren't that special, um, okay. which is okay, but I mean, that's pretty much what you're looking for in a sniper mm -hmm. rifle of that caliber is snapshot and short gaze to basically just get those headshots. Um, the only thing I haven't really seen drop that much has been the rocket launcher, but the one that Lord Saladin is selling is actually a very, very good role. You mm -hmm. have tripod and tracking. I mean, you can't really ask for more than that uh, mm -hmm. outside of grenades and horseshoes. So, um, I've been happy with the loot drop so far in Iron Banner. Uh, the only thing I would tweak with regards to that is to make sure that they make the rocket launcher a little bit more available or the other weapon a little bit more available. But that's just begging for you know changes. Uh, what do you mm -hmm. have you uh, seen the Iron Banner so far? Okay. Uh, in regards to the, uh, to the lag, there really hasn't been that much in, for me. I've played mostly every day, and I've seen only a few, a handful of games with, uh, with people going, like, in god mode. Mm -hmm. You can't even shoot them or melee. But besides that, it's been really fun going solo, and even with another, a few other people, there's really not that much lag for me. I don't know about other people though. Mm -hmm. uh, the drop rates are awesome. I've gotten like eight snipers. I mean, I don't really like. They weren't really good. I I got legendary marks, a lot of them. But this uh, and besides besides that, it's just it just feels a lot better uh, in rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before I get into questions from the reef, uh, I did have a we did have a question. I don't know where I put it now, and I apologize that I, I'm not quoting who asked it, um, but one of the questions were, um, do you think, what is the best mode for Iron Banner? Um, do you believe that it should be Clash, Control, Rift, what, and, 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 and why? So I'll start off with you uh, before we get to that, the actual questions from Maurice. Since we're already talking about Iron Banner, might as well go ahead and uh, knock this one out. Alright, um, if I'm going to rank them, I'm going to go Clash number one, Control two, Rift three. Mostly because I, uh, usually in Iron Banner, I like playing solo, and Rift, you can't really do that. And Control, it's manageable, but Clash is just, oh, so good. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's just killing fools. Come on. So, nothing wrong with it. So here's my opinion on the Iron Banner. I've always seen Iron Banner as it's supposed to be anyway. And uh, end game and end, end I can't speak now. An end game, end game activity. Um, with regards to end game activity, it's supposed to be something that you do with a group of people. That being said. I think the the Iron Banner that best encapsulated this feeling of working with a team has been Iron Banner Rift. And I know it sounds weird, because I know that there's a lot of people that hated Iron Banner Rift. Um, I felt that it best, in, it, with regards to the lore, the Lords of Iron, it was always about a group of guardians holding the the, the last line of defense for the city. That's what the Iron Banner was. They were working as a team. Nothing encapsulated this more than Iron Banner Rift. That's um, true. If they were to go back to Iron Banner Control, which most likely they will, one thing that I proposed um, when I previously did this recording was to basically modify the scoring system with regards to Iron Banner Control. If you have no flags, you only get 50 points per kill. If you have one flag, 
you get 100 points per kill. If you have two flags, 200 points. And if you have all three, you get 350 points. You get no points for assists, no extra points for supers or headshots. You only get points whether it's a kill or not. Oh, so you want to go just pure um, objective-based? Right, because you, I want it to be, as, as control is right now, there's almost mm-hmm. no incentive to, I mean, yes, there is, but there's, there's no incentive to really capture the zones. The current mm-hmm. control is basically just modified clash. Yeah, there's, quite a bit, actually. There's, there's, no, there's, no desi- there's no desire or push to really defend the zones. I mean, you see it all the time. People just running right by the zones. Mm-hmm. So the way to encourage this is to basically make it worth your while to do the objective. Capturing A and B, defending those, getting 100 mm-hmm. points per kill, they're only or 200 points per kill, they're only getting 100. And if they have no flags, they're only getting 50. Mm-hmm. So they have to fight for those zones. If yeah, the um, team is just wrecking, though, those games are going to go by real fast. Right, which, I mean, mm-hmm. if you were wrecking in Rift... Uh, those games were going pretty fast as well. Yeah, uh, that's true. So the the best way to to win is it's, it's basically making it so that you you play the objective. You play the objective, you get the rewards. You don't play the objective, you barely get rewarded. And yeah, that's, so you'd rather have zone control then? No, 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 no. I I, <laughs> I think that with regards to zone control, they didn't they didn't think it through enough and and instead of making zone control a little bit different like an actual zone um Mm -hmm. i would have gone with with regards to zone control instead of just three zones the same ones that you have for control i would have gone a a full-on five and basically make make the scoring a little bit different um but that's 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 my opinions on zone control um I could easily see them doing Iron Banner zone control and that pissing a lot of people off. Oh yeah, but, easily. But I, 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 I think they need to make modifications that game type because the way it is right now, it's it's just a special form of control and it mm-hmm. needs to be changed. I can also just as easily say Iron Banner um, mayhem, um, <laughs> which which would be terrible. But I mean. Terrible. That sounds awesome, man. No, well, well, here's the thing with that. It like for me, as I mentioned, Iron Banner to me is supposed to be an end game activity, something mm-hmm. that encourages team based play. Mm-hmm. And the reason people get excited about Iron Banner is it gives them a chance to get 320 gear by themselves. Mm-hmm. That's more of a fault with regards to the loot, the current loot system, and there not being enough activities. Or enough challenge in four single players that they could have uh, in game that could have been resolved. Like I mentioned, a key in the dreadnought in the in the raid. You take that. You go to a specific area you're by yourself. You incur- you encounter this enemy. You're, you're surrounded by enemies. You have to do some sort of raid mechanic in order to, to damage a boss. You kill him. You get a gear. You get some gear. You can do that by yourself. There's not enough of that. And what what happens is these people just want to do something by themselves. But I, I'm at times I'm just like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of end game activity. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I see what you're saying. So I I want to see more team based play with regards to Iron Banner um, than just Clash. Clash was cool. Don't get me wrong. I like Iron Banner Clash. Um, as we were also discussing uh, on the previous version of episode 19, it would all, I would also be in favor of not only there being Iron Banner, my modified control, the, the one I, I propose, or Rift, but in addition to that, Iron Banner Salvage, a 3v3. That way you're further encouraging this thought of team-based play. There are people that only like to play the 3v3 because it's not as chaotic, it's more mm-hmm. methodical, it's more calculated, and it helps people push, uh, it helps get people ready to, to play Trials of Osiris or the Elimination game. Mm-hmm. The way it is right now, Elimination is a very intimidating experience, one that people don't have a lot of experience with, simply because they're always playing Control or okay. Clash. 
which does not get you properly set up for something such as elimination. You got to play these 3v3. You got to learn how to navigate the map, how to use the proper sight lines to basically be successful. That's how we were successful last week when we went flawless. We used the different sight lines. We used the different things to our advantage. We pressed on different enemies and using different double team moves. We were successful there. Uh, and you don't, you can't do that really in Clash because there's just too much going on, too many things yeah. getting okay, shot. Right. Exactly. And I would like to see something like that. Mm -hmm. um, a 3v3 uh, salvage for Iron Banner, a modified version. I still don't know how they exactly they would modify it, but it would something along the lines where it takes longer to dismantle a the the thing. It takes way too too. It's too quick to dismantle the 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 the, the ghost uh, the probe. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would just modify that a little bit to encourage team based play. Um, and, and just the the feeling of Iron the Iron Banner that you're working with your squad. To save the city. Mm -hmm. um, so with that, let's go ahead and open up the segment. Letters from the reef. Alan. Uh huh. This is uh, now. It's your time. Go ahead and start off with the first right. question. Nick Flag asks, "Would you pay an optional subscription fee for Destiny?" What's your What's your thoughts? Um. With regards to an optional subscription fee for Destiny, I would do it if and only if there was more content. As it is right now, there's not enough content to justify the there being a subscription fee. There just isn't, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. The game would basically have to be two and a half times larger to for me to basically say, okay, you know what? I'm paying a subscription fee for that. Mm -hmm. And that's not a knock on the game. It's just it's 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 a, it's a sign of of the competition Destiny faces. Yes, there's no real first-person shooter MMO-style game currently. Mm -hmm. There's people who are who want to compare it to um, the Division, but that's like comparing Diablo three to Destiny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've played the Division beta. It's they're not the same at all. Right. No matter, no matter what you say. It's a similar style of game in terms of loot, but that's mm -hmm. where the, the it ends right there. Like there's it's a very different style of game. With regards to going back to the subscription base, I mean going back and doing the same missions in the same area of Earth just wouldn't cut it. There would have to be the European Dead Zone, the South American Wilds. Um, the North American ruins, just something where, where it'd be cool if you could go into, say, the ruins of Chicago, and, and you're basically finding uh, a whole bunch of uh, fallen. Fallen. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be really cool. Then uh, venturing into the different oases on Mars, set up by the by the uh, by the Vex, um, in addition to the the uh, what's it called? Uh, what we have currently on Mars, uh, the Meridian Bay and another area on Mars, an, a completely underground area uh, that that just something there. The moon, um, another area of the moon that's been mm -hmm. taken over by the hive, and the same thing for Venus. The, yes, you have the jungles of Venus, but it'd be cool to go into the volcano to stop a vex, uh, like god. some sort of uh, some sort of vex god trying to harness the power of of the Earth or the. Not the Earth, but the planet to use oh, as cool. to charge up his the time, whatever that they're using. <laughs> like, like there's so many different things that they could do, um, different areas that would need to be there for me to even consider paying an an additional subscription fee subscription fee of like eight dollars a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say that that we're kind of not doing that right now by paying for these emotes. But I would happily pay the $8 in addition to money to buy emotes or like a discount for emotes um, to basically get additional stuff if there was enough content. I'm in the same boat, man. And just if there was more content, I would, I would just throw my money at Bungie. Would you throw it yeah. all over Luke Smith's body? Make it rain, man. Make, Make it rain. rain. Make it rain on Luke Smith. All right. Should we move on to the next question? Yes. All right. Oliver Abbott asks, for people that have stuck with the game this long, 
How would they be able to go on without an update or news of an update? I or mean, how long would you be able to? I mean, uh, you're already starting to see it. Unfortunately, the mass exodus happened, um, mm -hmm. and it's really, really unfortunate. Um, part of this I attribute to Destiny is a very, very lucky game. What I mean by that is when it orig originally launched back in 2014, 14, um, it released when there wasn't much competition. Mm -hmm. The competition since then, in the form of stuff like Bloodborne, Mortal Kombat X, Witcher 3, um, different Call of Duties, whatever. Yes, they've, they've taken some people away, but it hasn't been strong enough to completely, completely tear away everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the game quality just isn't there. Even something like Fallout 4. Yes, Fallout 4 was a very good game, but there were people who were like, maybe this wasn't the game I was expecting. Or mm -hmm. may, maybe it just wasn't enough. There's a, there was something about Fallout 4 that people noticed that they were just like, it wasn't the full experience I was hoping for. Yeah, it was just, it was basically another Fallout 3. Right. So while I think, um, while I think Destiny is a very, very good game, and there's a lot of stuff that's very, very good about it, there's also been a lot of faults with the game. And the way that... It, they managed to mitigate it has mostly been the fact that there hasn't been anything really huge to completely tear away people away from the game. There's a lot of people who are just like, I'm playing this game until um, the, the division, division launches. Right, uh, and then I'm going to quit. And then <laughs> three weeks later, they're, go they're back playing the game. Mm -hmm. And you know it's going to happen. Um, oh, yeah, easily. I can see it. I can right. see it already. I mean, it's it's safe to say that a lot of the people that played the beta were people who were fed up with stuff such as loot drops, um, the lag in, in PvP, mm -hmm. just they're nothing to do in Destiny. They're, they they want their... That, a lot of these people want so much for this game, aka... Uh, not aka... This game, Destiny, to succeed, but there just isn't enough. They want there to be to to be content, and it goes back to the previous question about the option optional subscription. These same people would be more than happy to pay this subscription if there was enough content. And unfortunately, the fact that there's very little news, very little content, and they're not being high, enough high quality games. Yes, Metal Gear Solid Five is a fantastic game, an incomplete game, a fantastic mm -hmm. game nonetheless. But it still wasn't enough to tear people completely away from Destiny. They still came back, for better or for worse. And what they came back to was a game that, unfortunately, wasn't enough. Um, and, it, and it concerns me because we're supposed to have a Taken King-style expansion this fall. Um, and we might not get enough content again. Now, if there's a lot of content, I'll be more than happy to pay for it. And I'll be more than happy to continue to support it. But I will say this. I'm be very, very hesitant to hit that buy button uh, when it goes on sale. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, and I, I honestly don't know how, how long people will be able to stick with this game if we have the same lull that we currently have. How long um, will you be able to stick with it? I think the thing that drives me right now to continue to play the game is the fact that I'm I'm going to say sound all uppity here so please bear with me that I'm in charge of the clan that I have all these players that play there's a lot of players that don't have clans there's a lot of players that don't have the stuff and a minor update that would allow in-game stuff involving clans and, and whatnot LFG would kind of add replayability to this game to a lot of those people there's a lot of people who aren't going to be able to play. And I'm kind of jumping in on another question, so I'll, I'll go ahead and just make it brief. But a small update would uh, help alleviate some of this stuff. All right. So, next question. Uh, Glenn Brick Rico Bono? All right. Will you be happy if the next two updates and or expansions are updates to old raids and SRL? If the spring update was basically an update to the old raids, 
weapons, armor, all that stuff. Brought in SRL and maybe did something minor. I would probably be okay because the spring update is just that. It's supposed to be an update. It's not it's not something that we're gonna pay for. Not an expansion. Um what I would hope that they would do is that they would resolve a lot of the the old, uh, there's a lot of storyline from the Taken King that hasn't been resolved yet. Stuff with the Queen, and yes, there's people that already know that she's still alive from the Grimoire or whatever, but there's still a lot of stuff there that is missing that they could use this time to go and basically tie up, and then make the Fall expansion, whatever it is, something fresh, something that builds upon what we did, um... There's a lot of weird stuff with regards to the story that they have to kind of fix, too, because one of the things that's always bugged me, in the story, we do the Vault of Glass. We already know this because several people have uh, confirmed that we did the Vault of Glass. Ikora mentioned it, uh, the, uh, Petra mentioned it. Um, all this other, all these other people mentioned that we went into the Vault of Glass, we'd stop Times Conflux, a.k.a. Atheon. What I've always found weird is, when you do the one mission to um, Paradox, you go in there, this is post-Atheon's death. Mm-hmm. You go in there, you stop the Blights, and let's say you get the Ghost or whatever, you kill, you kill the, the, the Taken Minotaur in, in the, the Venus area of... of that you get teleported into. You get the ghost and whatever. You bring that ghost to Lakshmi. She wants a she wants a piece of Atheon's eye. Mm-hmm. How can you get Atheon's eye if storyline wise he's already dead? Time, man, it's crazy. <laughs> that's how. Right. Like that that's something that never made sense to me. It's like, okay, you go into you go into the story storyline wise, you go into the vault of glass after Atheon's dead. She sends you back to the Vault of Glass to kill something that, storyline-wise, is already dead. Jorge, look, I don't think they had time to explain. (laughs) (laughs) They They didn't have time to explain. That they didn't have time to explain. That they didn't have time to explain. Like, I get that they were trying to reuse the raid, but it was kind of poor thinking. Like, maybe a modified version of the raid that was taken... This, it, it seemed a little weird. A taken mm-hmm. version of Atheon built upon yeah. the, 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 the ruins of Atheon. Maybe that, but like the way they... It was kind of like, what? Weird. Yeah, it was just odd. But if you if you don't think about it and you just have fun with it, you're good. No, I like and I did have fun with it. It was just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really answer the question, um, would I be happy to if, they, if it was just updates to old raids? They brought in SRL... Maybe they updated the arena, aka the prison of elders, and some yeah. other stuff. Uh, if they added new strikes, yes. If it was just those updates and nothing more, I'd I don't think that that would add enough replayability to the to the game. Uh, it would it would it would be cool from the perspective of year two players that never played it in year one, because then they basically can go into an actual challenge and experience mm-hmm. the old fights. But then yeah. they would have to completely fix the glitches that are currently in the raid, uh, flying over the bridge of of Crotazen, um, staying up top using Icebreaker to shoot down the. Uh, the, the I mean, the if oracles. they don't update Icebreaker in the and they do update the raids, Icebreaker is not really going to be viable. So. Right. I mean. I mean. Yeah. But it, there's still ways to get around it. Just yeah. staying up there, if you keep shooting at it with. Uh, Wait thirty minutes until you kill the boss. Right. So, I mean, there's always ways around it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope that they go back and fix those glitches. I mean, there's already a a semi-fix where if somebody's gone too far forward, like, it'll bring everybody forward with you. Mm -hmm. So that's an easy way to get rid of that, you know, staying up top glitch. Um, But there's a couple other glitches that they would have to fix with regards to that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would kind of be happy, but at the same time, I know that it wouldn't add any real real replayability. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Yep. Yeah, Dan asks, what are the chances of challenge mode for Vault of Glass and Crota's End? Kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Um, I think 
that it's the easiest thing Bungie can do currently to add some sort of new content to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, a challenge mode for um, um, not Omnigal. What's her name? The 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 Eryu, the Death Singer, and or mm-hmm. and Crota would be interesting. But I mean, it, it'd be cool because then that would be a way that they could make it so that you can get. Year two Vex Mythoclast and year two Necrochasm. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's, I, I don't see them making any other way to get year two Necrochasm or year two uh, Vex Mythoclast because they're supposed mm-hmm. to be raid rewards. Yeah, honestly, if they if they do update those weapons and they drop from Hangrams, I'm kind of just gonna, I don't know, I'm just gonna be not interested as much. Right. Yeah. They could, they could, so they could add a lot more to the game, uh, prolong the experience, if you want to say that, for the players, if they, uh, if they drop from the raid again. Right. So yeah, I, I think the only thing that they can really do is to bring up the light to those raids, um, to mm-hmm. help add some content to year two players, because they go in there and it's it's too easy, and they don't really get the full experience of what Vault of Glass was or Crota's End was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you can just go into uh into Crota and kind of just one shot him with the sword. Right. It sucks. So, it was so much more fun. All right. Uh. Yeah. Honestly, chances of challenge modes. I think it's really high. Right. Really, really high. All right. Next question. Emmanuel Jones asks, "When will Bungie step up and help the people that don't have many friends or that want to start a raid and don't have the right light level?" Um, I think unfortunately that the chances are pretty low. Uh, they've always stated, well, here's the thing. Chances are better now with the new CEO than before. And the reason I say that is before the, the, the word always was, we'll provide you the challenge. You bring your friends mm-hmm. with the new CEO. They already have a lot of people complaining. They had a lot of people upset, which means that there's a higher likelihood now that they're going to pay attention to this problem for a lot of people and offer a solution. So do I think that the chance that there will be a chance that Bungie will implement an LFG of some sort? Yes. Uh, but I don't think it'll be as robust as the ones that are currently out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's, it's kind of like what Bungie did with regards to Fireteam chat, where it was half-baked and you have, have to turn it on, which means that a lot of people, they're just like, they're not going to even turn it on. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have people rarely communicating in-game with mm-hmm. regards to these modes. Yeah, I've, I've never used it, so. Right. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't think they're going to implement it because they're already, they're trying to set up all the stuff for the updates and move on to year three and year four. I guess if you want to say Destiny 2 is year four. Uh, but it's just, I don't, I honestly don't think it's likely. They're using some, they're using their people to make that and it's just, there's no point, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, next question. Yes, Andrew Mid- Andrew Middlemess, do you think in either of this year's updates we will see more foundry weapons added? Hake, comma Amalon, comma Suros. Don't seem to make me. Don't seem to make certain types of weapons, aka sidearms, right. aka other stuff. Right, like like a Hakka rocket launcher. The, or an Amalon right. rocket launcher. Uh, mm. Suros doesn't have a fusion rifle. Or sidearm. Uh, mm-hmm. What doesn't? There's no Amalan's uh, sidearms. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I brought up was sidearms are in a very weird spot because there's only there's basically only one class of sidearm, and it's a standard pew pew fight fighting fire one. Mm-hmm. Whereas, for example, a fusion rifle, you have the quick charge ones, the low charge ones, high impact, low impact. Same thing for auto rifles and all these different weapons. Mm-hmm. sidearms are in a weird spot where they're basically the same exact one all the way around in addition to that 
There's no sidearm for the raid. There's no sidearm for Trials of Osiris. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I did bring up is uh, part of the problem with regards to this that's kind of tied in, but at the same time it's not, is the fact that the vendors and the foundries with regards to arms they drop, they don't sell different class of, of weapons. And what I, what I mean by that is, for example... The biggest problem everybody has right now is you have the Doctrine of Passing Auto Rifle. It's basically the only weapon or the only auto rifle of its type in year two. It's the only super high rate, max high rate of fire, low impact auto rifle. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, none of the foundries sell a comparable version. They they have a little bit less uh, rate of fire, a little bit more impact. Which means that while they might do, say, 20 to the head as opposed to 18 to the head, they're not firing as fast, which means that they get burned real quick by the Doctrine of Passing compared mm-hmm. to the other auto rifle. And they don't have as much in the magazine either. Um, and that's a problem more with Bungie um, that they just didn't involve enough weapon variety in the game. For example... What makes a thousand yard stairs so desirable? It's the perfect rate of fire to impact for the, for the sniper rifle. It's the only one of its class. Mm-hmm. In year one for House of Wolves, you had Her Benevolence, you had, oh, yeah. you had LDR, uh, you had the, uh, the sniper rifle from Variks that you can give. So at least there, you had three different of the similar archetype. That may have had different perks or different styles that you could get. You don't have that in year two. In year two, it's just thousand yards there, thousand yards there, thousand yards there. And you have all these people complaining about thousand yards there, but unfortunately it's the only top of its class. It's the best mm-hmm. of its I mean it's, it's the best sniper rifle to use because it's the perfect sweet spot. Whereas you have Dozens upon dozens, okay, maybe not dozens, but there's tons of the low impact, high rate of fire sniper rifles, but there's only one of that mid impact, mid mid uh, mid rate of fire sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Bungie needs to go back and basically, Suros doesn't have a, a sniper rifle. I just realized that there's no Suros sniper rifle. Huh. An easy way to solve that would be have a mid-impact Suro sniper rifle that mm-hmm. competes with the thousand-yard stare that could have different scopes, different adjustments, different things that Suros is famous for, mm-hmm. and that way you have people go into that gun as well. Oh, that's going to suck, just aiming down the sight, and then it's just that Suros sight that bugs you all the time. Right, but I mean, there's people that do like that sight that might prefer that on a sniper rifle as opposed to the current one that they have. Mm-hmm. It's all about providing options, and that way people can't yeah. say, oh, you're only using 1,000 yards there. Well, you could use the Suros one. Mm-hmm. You could use the, the, the uh, uh, a higher impact Haka one. Why, like, or you could use the one from, uh, let's say that there's a year two Ferrex uh, one that you could use. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing... A, what's it called, uh, Iron Banner this past week, uh, I was talking to Michael Wallace, and he, he mentioned an easy way to solve it would, to, would be to bring back year one weapons. The, yeah. Like all those year one sniper rifles, auto rifles, all that stuff, make them available um, mm-hmm. with the vendors or drops. That way you're introducing all these different weapon classes or, or, or weapon types back into the game that previously weren't there before. That way yeah. you... I mean, you, if if you go and, and let's say you involve Vault of Glass and Crotazen, an easy way to solve that would be to, you know, bring in the year one stuff. That way people have a chance of getting, say, um, a year two version of... Oh man, I can't believe I just... Uh, Shadow, uh, Shadow Price, that auto mm-hmm. rifle that everybody loved. Yeah. Or the year two version of Violator, I think it's Violator 7, whatever. All these different shotguns, sniper rifles, auto rifles, scout rifles, all that stuff that they previously weren't able to get. Now they're back in the game. You have different classes 
you know, more sniper rifles of the thousand yard stare variety, different ways that you can balance them out by basically lowering the amount of ammo that you can, you can get from an ammo box, the amount of ammo you hold in a magazine, mm -hmm. just different things that you can do with regard to that and add different perks to, to basically encourage you using these guns. Yeah. Not. Wow. Uh, when you started saying all this, I was just like, this sounds amazing. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, the game needs a lot more gun variety. Having the same weapon kill you over and over again. Thousand Yard Stare. Doctrine. Uh, last word. It really. It makes you kind of hate those weapons. And if you stop. If you uh, add more variety to the game. And let's say you get killed by the LDR again, then that takes some of the heat off the thousand yard. It uh, it stops people from saying like, oh, this gun's broken, oh, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? Honestly, you are completely right on that. The game needs more weapon variety. And they did take a, a step in the right direction by implementing the gunsmith and the rolls every week, new guns. But they really, really need more guns than right. just those. I, I mean, the ones that you get from the gunsmith, while they are cool, hmm. they're basically very comparable to stuff that's already being sold. Mm -hmm. um, there's not enough of the mid-range sniper, and there's not enough of a comparable auto rifle. Let's say, for example... The only auto rifles that compare in terms of stats with Doctrine of Passing are... Uh, and, and that's even iffy. Um, and then there's also the auto rifle from Vault of Glass, uh, the, the uh, Atheon's Epilogue. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you had access to these weapons and you really, really want the Doctrine of Passing. I'm all in favor for Doctrine of Passing being the end goal. But there must be at least comparable weapons that are balanced by the perks, them being random. Mm -hmm. You already know that Doctor Passing will have two perks, one of them guaranteed to be on there in, pers in Persistence. Mm -hmm. The ultimate version is the one with Counterbalance, at least per mo most people's mm -hmm. ex experience. It's amazing. It is amazing. If um, you don't have it, then go out and get one. Have right. Team, do it. But let's say that you had let's say you had access to a year two version of Atheon's Epilogue. It's mm -hmm. similar in stats, has as is is actually a very good weapon to use in mm -hmm. PvP now. And until you get Doctrine of Passing, it removes some of the pressure from Doctrine of Passing. Because let's uh, to be honest, Doctrine of Passing, the only thing that they really need to tune is the range that it can kill you at. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that they, they need to tune a little bit. Its damage is actually perfect where it is. It needs to be able to compete with guns such as Last Word. Mm -hmm. Problem is, it's the only auto rifle of its class. And when you're constantly being killed by it, because it's the only auto rifle of its class, mm -hmm. then you run into situations where people will blame the gun, saying it's OP, when in fact it's more of a, yeah, a, it's a really symptom. Not. When it's more of a symptom of that's the only gun of its class. Grasp of Malik is the only high highest rate of fire, lowest impact pulse rifle in the game. You have a perfect roll on that. You're unstoppable at mid-range. I haven't had a chance to play with one of those, and I really, really want to. Right, and that's another thing that they need to look at too, which we already talked about, that the loot drops for the strikes, strike-specific stuff, is way too low, and there's very little chance of getting it. Um, mm -hmm. And some of this stuff is highly desirable and i'm not saying make it a hundred percent guarantee but when people are literally farming the omnigul strike for the grasp of malak that is a symptom of the low loot drop rate and yeah. and it's it's it, they're not farming it for the prestige of having a grasp of malak they're farming it because they want to do pvp with that specific weapon and 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 it's unfortunate that they have to do this farm and, and just Hope that they mm -hmm. get the god roll on it, and and I I don't I don't want to see that. I want to see there being plenty of this th these type of weapons, comparable ones, mm -hmm. and currently there's not, and that's unfortunate. So to answer yeah. Andrew's real question about Haka Amala and Suros, do we think that they're going to be more updates? I really hope so. I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. I could easily see Bungie doing that. 
Yeah, there's really no clear answer on that, but we can hope. We can really, really hope. All right, next question. Rockstone asks, skill-based matchmaking versus connection-based matchmaking or a balanced mix. What's the best for a majority of the players versus the top tier vocal majority? Um, a connection of both, but the easiest way to do it is to introduce rank, uh, the ranking system that is already in previous games, or not previous mm -hmm. games, other games. Mm -hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing for a lot of us here in the United States is we're in a country that has, in the mainland anyway, four different time zones. You go to Britain, they're in one time zone. You go to France, they're in one time zone. A lot of these, it, it's easier for these countries to be, you know, have be matched up um, with similar people in the area a lot easier because of how close they are. In the U.S., we don't have that. We have people all over the, the place. The country. Um, yeah, it's difficult to play with friends sometimes because of the time zones. It sucks. Right. So what needs to happen is um, you have the skill, you have the the casual game, uh, you have the casual list which is pure connection base. Mm -hmm. And then you have the skill, uh, the, the rank system, which is a, con a combination of both first connection and, and then skill. Mm -hmm. And then base it on regions. Because in addition to having, you know, different time zones, the U.S. is pretty vertical as well. So you have the Northeast, you have the, uh, the Southeast, you have the Midwest, you have the Northwest and Southwest. I mean, you got to have it like this just because th th it, it, it's too tough to, 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 to manage all these different areas. I mean, for somebody to in, the, in, let's say, Boston to get matched up with someone in San Diego, there's going to be a big time lag uh, issue right there. You're going to have mm -hmm. two, 300 ping uh, issues, whereas if they got matched up with, say, somebody in, let's say, New York City, there might be a 30, 40 ping. You know, they, it, it, they need to balance that out. And it's tough also right now because of all the people that have left the game mm -hmm. to really, really get a true connection-based matchmaking. Yeah, the pool is a lot smaller, so right. it's be a lot more difficult. Right, and a lot of these top-tier vocal majority, their thing is they want to go into a match not feeling that they have to play sweaty all the time, which is what happened to a lot of them when doubles elimination came into play with uh, mm. um, Crimson Doubles. They were playing non-stop Sweaty's match because of their 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 skill. And and it's unfortunate for them because sometimes they don't want to play that. Sometimes they want to be mm. a little bit more casual, but they can't. They want to play around with different weapons. They just can't. Um, mm. And introducing rank-based, um, a, a rank system and a casual system would help alleviate this a little bit. Um, but definitely connection needs to be taken into, uh, into needs to be prioritized in addition to, uh, to skill. And that's the only way I see it to, to have a true resolution to this issue. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, for me, connection base, uh, always, always a good thing. Uh, but I do want to be matched up against people with my same skill. Not all the time. It's a real, the, uh, the separate playlist ranked uh, for skill based and just casual is a great idea because sometimes I just don't want to get destroyed by other people. Right. And yeah, just going into a, a kind of purely connection based uh, matchmaking would be so great because you can just wreck fools. Right. Um, and the way you can also incentivize rank-based matchmaking, um, the rank system, would be to provide high-level loot drops from that. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's a really, really good incentive. All right. All right. So yeah, that, that was the last question. Awesome. Well, uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, before we wrap this baby up? Oh, man. Uh, get uh, private matches in, please. Please. Let's, let's let's give me a private match. I want to be able to record it. Oh, okay. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, close this baby up. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of In Orbit here on the Mashos Buttons Network. We're available on a ton of platforms, so make sure you guys are spreading the word. 
We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, and Pocket Cast. Uh, in addition to that, let me go ahead and mention our sister uh, podcast here on the Match Those Buttons Network. We have Double Tap, which is the fighting game podcast available the first week of every month. We, of course, are in orbit. We're available every other week. We also have WoW Talk, which is the World of Warcraft podcast available every other week opposite of Watchpoint, which is the Overwatch podcast, which is opposite of WoW Talk. We have WoW Talk one week, Watchpoint another week. We're also on Twitter, at MTBSite. We're all uh, Facebook.com slash MashThoseButtons, YouTube.com slash MashThoseButtons. I'm available on Twitter at GoToNRG, that's G-O, the number two, N as in Nancy, R as in Roger, G as in George. Alan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Escaliente98, E-S-C-A-L-I-E-N-T-E, 98. And you can also find me on uh, Twitch, streaming every so often for the Technodrome channel, and on my personal channel, Escaliente, no... uh, no 98, just Escalante. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and I also want to promote uh, David. Um, his Twitch channel is www.twitch.tv slash dsbolt. Uh, I'm available on the Technodrome channel, www.twitch.tv slash the Technodrome. And with that, we wrap up episode 19, Later Days. Hasta luego.